0: Good morning, everybody. How are we doing today? Good to see you all here. Good morning and welcome to Between Meals Apologetically Based Bible Studies. I am Pastor George Gray, your host, and uh, this is uh, where we talk about the Bible. We look at God's Word and occasionally um, delve into my moderate sarcasm. Hey, Cindy, how you doing this morning? Um, okay, so I've uh, got a bunch of stuff uh, going on this morning. Uh, first things first. Happy Thanksgiving week, everybody. I hope you're getting ready for a fantastic time tomorrow. Um, I hope you're planning on a safe holiday. Um, I'm hoping you're planning on having no no more than 100 people in your house. 10 peep, people at your house. And uh, just have a fantastic time. Be safe. But, but have a great time. Eat a piece of pumpkin pie for me uh, because that's what all fat people really want because pumpkin pie is amazing and please don't bring me a pumpkin pie <laughs> someone is thinking huh i could bring him a pumpkin pie that's great no please don't do that or, or do really e- either one is totally fine um <laughs> <coughs> oh all right okay so uh cindy david ashley scott jose uh jose thank you very much i appreciate that man um we are uh, we are going to be doing some stuff this this morning. Okay, so a couple different things. I got asked a question this week uh, before we get started that I want to deal with um, uh, because it was a I think it was a valid question and it was something that's been on my mind anyway. So uh, the question that I was asked had a little bit of an ouch factor to it, but it was it was good at the same time. The question was, Pastor, I noticed that your YouTube channel says that you only get a few views a week. Why is that? And I went, oh, 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 uh, uh, uh. uh, so. Um there's actually a really good reason for that and the the, re- the reason is simple when I started doing these stu- uh these studies I had absolutely no clue what I was doing so we just sort of went and I figured it out along the way so what ended up happening is when this uh lockdown stuff first happened in the uh early in the uh, winter last year at the beginning of the year um I s- used my personal YouTube account and my personal Facebook accounts and things like that. and just kind of started just, just something to give people an opportunity to do some Bible studies while we're all locked in our houses, so to speak. Um, And then as things progressed, I turned. uh, And so the people who initially got onto this, you guys who are watching, um, got onto it mostly onto that channel. And then that channel got turned over to the church um so that the the streaming would continue and that people who were already connected could stay connected to that it was just the easiest way to keep people connected but what that meant was the bulk of the people that um that uh, would be watching when i uh, when i started the actual channel uh between meals um the uh the bulk of the people connected were actually on the church's site so my actual page between meals uh and if you're not familiar with what that is that's what the logo looks like uh, that one. Um, and, uh, so it's, uh, it's kind of interesting, but so if, if you're watching on Facebook, um, or, or YouTube, um, and you want to help me grow this particular channel, cause here's what actually ends up happening. Each of these podcasts gets get somewhere, uh, between four and 500 views per week, which actually, you know what, isn't that bad? Um, way more than I actually, actually thought, but it, it is kind of cool, but they're spread out over all of these multiple Excuse me, multiple platforms, um, so that it doesn't look like either any of the platforms actually get a decent amount of views. But she, but when I total them up, that's kind of the way uh, the way it looks. So if you want to help me grow this channel, um, then easy way to do it, uh, is to click that link. I think it's a link. If I did it right, that's actually a link. that will actually take you to Between Meals, um podcast YouTube channel. And what that does is the more people who actually log on to that one and hit the subscribe button and the notification bell and like it when you're there, you know, all the stuff that ends up happening to happen. Um, If that's, if you would like to help grow this channel, that's a really super easy way to be able to do that. Just click that link. I hope it works. If it does, let me know. If it doesn't, let me know. Um, Because like I said, I'm figuring this stuff out as we go along, which is a lot of fun. But at the same time, it's also... Very humbling um, so and that basically and that's 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 the idea is to try to grow a single channel rather than trying to grow multiple channels because that's basically how it works um, the way YouTube and Facebook work is that they grow based on single algorithms and the more uses and views you get that's how you grow a channel so that is why it looks like the the, the YouTube channel that actual between meals uh, uh, YouTube channel looks like it only gets a few views a week because well it does. A lot of the views are just on the other platforms. So there's something to think about, that would be great. Um, Okay, so that's enough of that. Uh, Let's get into today because this is going to be a lot of fun. Um, So last week we started a conversation about Paul's writing on the topic of marriage and family. Uh, Let me get this off of here before I forget. Uh, And we're going to continue on in that process. And uh, let's see. Uh, Yes, yes. If you are... um, into the audio podcast, you can also check them out on Podbean, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. The links are actually in the descriptions, um, and they're also for, for download. I found out, um, for those of you who are interested, I found out the other day that there are. Um, I have some people listening in um, uh, Malaysia, Ireland, um, the Philippines, and Russia. <laughs> <laughs> How... Someone, because uh, the, the the hosting site shows me where the downloads uh, come from. How I got connected with someone in Russia, um, I, I I don't actually know. If that's you, if you're actually listening on the on this podcast at some point in time. Please email me. I would love to connect with you and, um, you know, Australia and uh, all of you guys from around the world. I'd love to connect with you and see, uh, get an idea of who you are, because it really is pretty hilarious, um, uh, given the fact that we're in, you know, Nowheresville, upstate New York. Uh, so it's it's pretty cool. So, uh, yeah, so check out the, um, uh, the audio podcast as well, and uh, that would be fantastic. So um, today we're going to be continuing on in this uh, conversation about... Marriage and family. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, what we're going to be talking about um, is not, we're going to be talking about a couple things today that, that directly affect marriage and family, but they're not limited to marriage and family. We're going to be talking about the relationships between men and women. Um, the title of today's message is Men and Women Are Different, and that's okay. Uh, it's, a, it's a good thing. So it is my personal belief, and like I said, my personal belief, that one of the reasons that we have so much trouble in marriage and family is because we have a distorted view of God's intent for men and women, uh, relationally, um, contrasted with God's intent for husband and wife. Um, so what's, what ends up happening, and I mentioned this like last week, let me, uh, let me do a couple of quick things here. Let's get set up so that I can just go. Yep. Good. Um, I mentioned this last week that we that we tend to think as a society and as a church that the roles that are defined in Scripture for men, for husbands and wives also translate to people outside of marriage for just men and women. So, um, for example, let me give you a couple of scriptures that tend to be used in this way. Uh, uh, let's see. I've done a couple of different things today because of what we're talking about. So I want to make sure I'm there. So there you go. Ephesians 5, 22 and 23 reads like this. Wives should submit to their husbands as they do to the Lord, because the husband is the head of the wife, just as the Messiah is the head of the Messianic community, um, is himself the one who keeps the body safe. So we, we look at a scripture like this, and it's very easy to look at wives, husbands, and see a very clear hierarchy of authority within the household. It's it's very very easy to see that. Um, but what you don't see in this is women be submitted to men. It's not there. It's it's couched in husband, wife and that's that's a very important distinction to make because it can it, uh, if we if we look at it a different way, it can give us a distorted view over the relationship and God's intent for men and women. So That's what we're going to deal with today. Here's another another one, 1 Corinthians 11:13. It says but i want you to understand that the head of every man is a messiah and the head of every wife is her husband you notice how quickly that tra- that changed from from man to husband the head of every man is the messiah and the head of every wife is her husband and the head of the messiah is god uh, so scriptures like this have been unfortunately Historically used to not only describe the role of husband and wife, but the, to describe the role of men and women. There's there's dozens of these, and we'll look at them over the over the course of the study. Um, so the question that we need to be asking ourselves, excuse me, is what do we see in scripture? What do we see in scripture? Do we see? Oops, excuse me. Do we see? Men and women, or do we see husband and wife? And I'm not. And I'm talking about in Scripture, not culture, as is written on the screen, not culture or societal norms, but within the text itself. That's a that's a very specific distinction. Now, the problem that I have is that um, I have not personally, I have not been able to find anywhere in God's Word where males are given authority over females. I see. Examples of cultural norms where the men are placed in charge and the women have a subservient role, I see that culturally, but I also see that changing culturally but i and I also see multiple exceptions to that by the hand of God throughout scripture. so what this has done is is led to uh, this idea of of men and women being equal to husband and wife as far as the roles within society and church and things like this. And believe me when I tell you, I already know I'm going to step on some toes. I'm going to make people not really happy about this. Um, but I want to give you something to think about. I'm going to give you, I'm going to, I'm going to go through these two views. Uh, and these views that we're talking about are egalitarianism and complementarianism. I'm going to go through these two views. And I'm going to, we're going to, we're going to explain what they are, how they tend to be utilized a little bit, maybe a couple of examples. Then I'm going to give you some of my opinion, and and it's just my opinion, okay, um, on this particular subject and how it relates to marriage and family and society as a whole, okay? Um, Now, if you're familiar with these two views, great. If you're not, that's okay. I'm going to give you a basic primer on what each of them are, and we'll get an idea of how this thing works. But Primarily, not everybody, but primarily, most people ascribe, uh, subscribe to one of these two views. Um, not It's not universal. It's not, uh, it's not absolute. But we tend to lean one way or the other, whether we realize it or not. Um, so it's a good idea to understand what these views do and how they're, how they're, how they're looked at. So the first one is complementarianism. So complementarianism uh, is a theological view that men and women have different but complementary roles and responsibilities in life, marriage, family, ministry, leadership, etc. Textbook definition of complementarianism. Um, it's also known as the old-fashioned view, you know, towards women especially. Uh, and it's interesting to me that all of these views are towards women, not usually towards men. Um, and it's always how men view women and, uh, how the church should view women. It's, it's kind of interesting how that works out. Um, now if you grew up in a conservative Baptist, uh, Mennonite church, or even some of the more conservative charismatic churches, you are probably very familiar with this view. And the idea is that men and women are different and that we should embrace those differences and sort of like stay in our, stay in our lanes, so to speak. Um, now this view does have some very valid points okay and uh both views have some valid points and i'm going to show you that both views have a lot of problems as well when it comes to lining up with scripture um now some of the viewpoints if you think about complementarianism um men and women are different i don't know if you realize this but men and women actually are different and we are different on purpose god didn't make a mistake um we are different physically now, I don't know if you realize this, but if, if you were to put a picture of a man and a woman, or a male and a female, side by side, we don't look the same. Okay, we we don't we don't look the same. <coughs> Even down, to, <coughs> excuse me, down to the muscular and skeletal system, we don't look the same. We are noticeably different, all the way down to our bones. You know, there are some parts of us like our heads kind of look the same, but honestly, um some people can even tell the difference between men and women based on the, the on on bone structures that you wouldn't even think and the density of bones because we're built differently. We are mentally different. I don't and that's not that's not a um not a that's not a, that's not, a compl- not a complaint or a hit towards anyone. We are we simply have different mental makeups. Stereotypically, and we're talking about stereotypical differences here. Um uh, women tend to be more on the emotional side. Men tend to be more on the practical side. There are some noted differences um but that's ten we we tend to be along those lines. You can tell the emotional makeup typically between men and women is very different, and it tends to be fairly universal between the sexes. Not a bad thing, right. Um, and we are emotionally different. I don't know if you realize this that that we, you know, it, it's not like I said, it's not all the time. Some, you know, some guys can't make it through where the red fern grows without crying, but that, you know, that that's okay. It's totally fine. And uh, you know, we we look at things differently. We are we're we're, um, uh, we're pricked in our emotion differently. Women tend to look at everything emotionally it tends to have an emotional connection to them in one way shape or form. Um it is much more difficult for men to make an emo- an emotional connection to anything. Even family, uh wives, children, it's it's a lot more difficult for us to do that. It's a lot easier for women to do that and that's totally fine. No big deal, right? It's just a different between difference between the two of us. So <clears throat> it's very easy to see that by design we are different and by design we are Complementary to one another, um, our differences are intentional. Uh, are intent intentional, and they have a God ordained value. You know that every difference between a man and a woman is God ordained, and it has value for the other person. It is there for a reason. Um, pretending that these differences don't exist is just silly. Um, and, but and recognizing that those differences are there does not make you sexist or mean. To say that men and women are different does not make you sexist. It makes you uh, observant, you know. Um, but like I said, pretending that those differences don't exist is just—it's just dishonest. I mean, think about even down to the basic, um, excuse me, the basic reproductive processes that are backed up in the Bible. If you think about this, um, a male cannot get pregnant, right? As far as I know. Males have never been pregnant. I know some magazines have put out, you know, oh, the first man has a baby. No, he didn't. It was not. It was it, it, give me a break. You know, um, males cannot be, get pregnant and males cannot nurse a child. We don't have the genetic makeup. We don't have the plumbing necessary to make that happen. On the other hand, a female cannot impregnate themselves. At some point in time, in order for this for the species to to uh, to continue, a male and a female have to come together because that's how it works. You don't, you don't get to have a baby without both being involved in some way, shape, or form. Um, and it doesn't make any difference how much medical intervention you try to employ in order to fool nature. You are either male or female. There is no third option, and there's definitely not a hundred, okay? Just to throw that out there. Um, there are a few notable exceptions when it comes to genetics, but these are called genetic abnormalities for a reason, um, it's not the it's not the norm. We're talking about the norm, and the norm is there are male and there are female. That's the way God designed them, and He designed us to be different on purpose. He designed us to be different on purpose because those differences complement one another. The truth is that co- the complementarian view has some very valid points in life, birth, marriage, and family. Um, we do, when male and female come together, we do very much complement one another. Typically speaking, we have what the other is missing. So, excuse me, um, but complementarianism also has a lot of problems. You know, um, first thing first, what do you do with single people? If complementarianism is supposed to be the norm, and that's supposed to be the way the church and society is supposed to work, what do you do with single people? Are all women, and the question is actually very simple, are all women supposed to value themselves beneath all men. Because if the complementarian view is correct, then there is a natural hierarchy in these things and the men should naturally take the lead in whatever situation arises based on that view. So if you think about this, if a single woman, okay, someone who's not married, has no intention of being married, um, they want she wants a career or whatever, if 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 um if a single woman and a single man are applying for a job, right, and she is more qualified than he is, is she supposed to turn down the job to make room for the man? Now, based on the complementarian view, a woman should never g- have gain authority over a man because the, 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 the complementary roles are, are based on a, on a generic hierarchy that the male is always supposed to take the lead role. Now, if that's true, then that's what should happen that's not the way it works and we don't see that playing out in the bible we see plenty of evidence where god does something very different and i'm going to i'm going to show you a few things uh, here in just a couple of minutes um now the second problem with com- with complementarianism, complementarianism is that it's based primarily on what's called the created order view okay the created order view and um let's see am i am i good here no um so um, the created order view is, uh, is, means that because man was created first and then woman from man, that the role of man is primary in the scheme of humanity. So because man was created first and woman was taken from man, man is always above. That's the created order view. Now, the problem is this view has a fundamental flaw for a couple of different reasons. Now, you think about this. Mankind was created after plants, fish, bugs, birds. Are we secondary to them? Because if we're going to st- go straight out the created order, then we are subservient to the sun, moon, and stars. Right? That does, that, that just, just fundamentally, and you might be rolling your eyes, that's totally fine. But fundamentally, that view has some issues, you know, partially because of this. Woman may have come from man, but from that point forward, all man come from, comes from woman. So there is a unity that exists there. So now even if you want to overlook that, okay, based on, just based on the created order, that's totally fine. Um, we'll, just, we'll just set that aside. If that view is right, if you just take man and woman and say that the created order view just because man was created first and then woman after, if you only look at that, then you have to ask the question, does God bind himself to that same process in everyday life? Does if, because if God takes exception to that view, then that view is not the, is not how God sees things. Okay. So we have to, we have to take a look at a couple of things. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, let me, I'm going to check something here. I think I got a couple of things out of order. Uh, and yes, I did. Uh, let's see. Um, Yes, I want to make sure I do that. I, for, I forgot. I did. I made a, made a note, um, for myself and completely drove right past it. Um, so let's take a look at this. In Genesis 2.18. Let's see. Genesis 2.18. I'm, I'm moving the mouse on the wrong computer. Haha. <laughs> uh, it says, and the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. It is not good that man should be alone. Um, I will make a helper. Comparable for him. Now, your Bible might say suitable. There's a number of different different words that 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 work here, um, but the two words that you want to look at is um, helper and comparable, or helper and suitable. Um, so, the first word, helper, is as is as there, uh, uh, and it just means one who helps. I don't make one who helps, uh, and that's fine. And we tend to focus on that word. I'm going to make a helper. Great, awesome, wonderful. Um, but we forget that there's another term here, comparable or suitable, uh, and that term. Let me, let me get over here uh is the word neged uh the hebrew word it means opposite mirror image or that which is that which is opposite or opposed um so here is uh, uh taken from my logos bible software if you take a look at it it says that which is opposite that which corresponds in front of before opposite contrary against the other side of apart aloof abreast however you want want to look at it and that's essentially how that word is typically used in the context of the sentence that we see here, um, so it's very easy for us to see that we are by design complementary to one another. But our differences are intentional, and our differences are God ordained. Um, so when we look at the differences between one another, excuse me, we need to be able to um, to embrace those differences, right? So this this created order view. This is this man and woman view. Um, does God align himself up with this? Because he designed us to be the opposite of one another. In in essence, what you look at um, is that a male is comprised of everything that the female does not have but needs. And the female is comprised of everything that the male does not have but needs. So we fit one another. But that comes back to the question. Remember, does God bind himself to this? In everyday life. And the answer is no. Um, if God, think about this. If God never intended women to hold a place of authority over man, then we should never see God placing women in positions of authority over men or in positions equal to men. Okay? Now think about this. Um, let's see. Second uh, Kings 22. Huldah was a prophetess consulted by both men and women. 2 Samuel 14, Joab summons a wise woman. Miriam, Moses' wife, was a prophetess among the people. Romans 16, Paul mentions Phoebe, the deacon. Deacons are going to have authority over men. It's just the way it works. Priscilla, he calls his co-worker in Christ, on par with one who I co-labor with. And then he lists lists Junia, among the apostles, the word the name Junia is a female name. She's listed among the apostles. And then you have Judges uh, Judges four and five. We have Deborah, the famous famous account, who served the nation of Israel as a judge. She was a judge over the entire nation of Israel. Now, here's an interesting thing. Some people try to claim that Deborah. Was not. Re- I was listening to a uh, uh, to a discussion on complementarianism, and one of the things they brought up was this uh, reference to Deborah h- herself. They kind of ignored the rest of them, but that's fine. Um, but they were saying that J- that Deborah was not a real judge because she sat out under a tree and people had to go to her, so she wasn't really a judge. But you see, you run into a lot of problems with that because one, she's in the Bible, in the Book of Judges. I don't know if you realize, that's that, that's where you find her, um, in the in the book of Judges, chapters 4 and 5. And at the same time, even if people had to go looking for her, she still did the job. She was still a judge over the nation. And more importantly, when she heard from God, and God told her to call the nation to war, the nation... Listen, you think about that. If Deborah was not a real judge with authority, not, over, not only over men, but over the military, then that should not have worked. Deborah called the nation to war and the entire nation understood her authority before God to do that. And the nation responded and went to war. There's no way to look at that and not see an immense amount of authority being held by a woman over men. This is this is a difficult this is a difficult thing when you if you're going to, to go hardcore with the complementarian point of view. Um but even though the complementarian point of view has a lot of truth in it, that there are complementary differences that we have as men and women, and in the normal facets of life and in normal society, we do have very easily identifiable roles one to one another as male and female, but more importantly as husband and wife. But God clearly does not bind himself to that point of view when it comes to simply male and female. That 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 the difference there, the hierarchy hierarchy of authority within the household, you you can clearly see evidence throughout Scripture that God does not bind Himself to that viewpoint alone. That He steps in and takes exception, and that should cause us to stop and reevaluate how um uh how authoritatively we apply that viewpoint. Right? Um, God obviously has no problem using women. In significant and even highly influential positions. We see that throughout scripture. Um, something that you guys may not know is a Proverbs 31. Those those terms, even though um, I think it was King Lemuel who wrote it, um, he wrote it, but the in Hebrew tradition, that that phraseology, the description of the Proverbs 31 woman, is attributed to Abraham giving praise to Sarah, basically describing the type of person that she was. Uh, It was changed a little bit throughout the years, but that's essentially where that comes. You got someone like Abraham giving timeless praise to, to his wife, and it becomes what we call Proverbs 31. Now, excuse me, not only does God have no problem violating this complementarian view when it comes to men, women outside of husband, wife, he has also commanded through his Holy Spirit that these accounts be placed into his word. Have you ever thought about that? God, through his Holy Spirit, commanded that the accounts of women in authoritative positions is in his word. God put it there. And I got to wonder, was this to remind us what not to do? Is God saying, I'm God, I can do this, but you can't? You know, I'm taking exception because I'm God, and this is not an example you should follow. This is just something that I'm doing because, after all, I'm God. Even though nothing else in God's word even comes close to that? Or is it maybe, maybe, that this is here to remind us that there is a difference between societal norms, what society wants to view as generically appropriate And what God views as universally appropriate. There's got to be a balance there. Um, Either God put these accounts of these women in places of authority in the Bible to mess with us or to teach us. Knowing that society is going to look at half of his creation in an unbalanced manner. And that he wants us to be able to correct that. I think... That the way society goes isn't necessarily what God is doing. I think God takes a different view when it comes to male-female over husband and wife. So, um, so that's complementarianism. Good, good points on one side, a lot of problems on the other. Let's go to the next one, egalitarianism. Um, egalitarianism is a view that all people are equal in all things and deserve equal rights and opportunities. Okay, men and women, equal in all things. This is also known as the liberal view of women, um, looked at as more modern, more educated, and more tolerant. The last thing you need is a bunch of ignorant complementarians raining on our parade because everyone knows that men and women are equal in all things. Well, okay, maybe not not all things. Well, is, is it all things? I don't know. I I I don't know. Um because, you know, newspapers today are saying that men can have babies. Um so maybe we are equal in all things. Or or maybe the world is just losing its mind and needs to get back to the biblical truth. We'll look at that here in a second. So check this out. Um there are very few things. Now, egalitarianism, just like complementarianism has very valid points, but it also has a lot of problems. So let's let's look at this again. So, um some of the valid points is that there are very very few things. That are so gender specific that they are out of reach for anyone other than that specific gender very very few things okay now you think about this um you can have male ballet dancers and male daycare workers things traditionally that, traditionally that we would we would apply to women, right but there are clearly examples of <laughs> There's a truck outside honking its horn. It's very strange. There are clearly examples that are that are outside of social norms. At the same time, you can have female fighter pilots and female construction workers. Uh, in the church is a number of women who are in things like engineering, who run companies, um, that take on roles that are typically, when you think of... You know, fighter pilot, you don't necessarily think of, you know, long hair and, and, you know, and a bikini. It's just not a picture that comes into your mind. Please don't go there. Some of you are going there. Stop. Just stop right now. Come back. Fighter pilot, you know, guy shooting down planes. Um, we tend to think in certain ways, but that doesn't mean that these roles can't be occupied by other people. You can find very easily high-functioning males and females on both sides of almost every skill set. There are a few few exceptions, but almost every skill set, you can find very high-functioning people on both sides. Um, there is no reason to keep anyone who's willing to do the work, and that's very important, who's willing to do the work from pursuing their passion in rather career or family, even if that means that they step outside of society's norm. If a woman wants to become a Navy SEAL, okay, if a woman wants to become a Navy SEAL, um, she has the right to do that. Uh, sorry, a delivery guy was just here, and I had to let him know that I'm, I'm, I'm doing something right now. Uh, so anyway, uh, a woman wants, if a woman wants to become a Navy SEAL, I have no issue with that as long as she can live up to the requirements. If she can pass the same test alongside, alongside the male candidates, I have no problem. Go for it, girl. You, if, if if you can do that, God bless you. I never want to meet you in a dark alley, um, and and I hope you have a fantastic life because you are a scary person, um, you know. But in a lot of society, in a lot of career, in a lot of life, it's very easy to see the egalitarian viewpoint that there's no reason to stop women from entering roles that they have a passion for if they're willing to do the work, and there's no reason to limit men from going into areas of career and family that maybe are traditionally held by women? What about families that are out there where where the, the wife is the breadwinner, breadwinner and the, the man is the one who stays home and takes care of the kids? As long as it has been agreed upon in that family, that that's how they're going to do it, what is the problem? If there's no problem there, then there shouldn't be problem in other areas as well. So there should be open opportunity for anyone willing to do the work on either side. Um, now, that being said, egalitarianism has its issues, okay? Uh, there is a very simple truth in both biology and society that we are not equal. We're not equal. There are multiple differences between men and women, and they're not small. You know, um, these differences give us natural bends towards certain things that we tend to look at as societal norms, okay? So uh, a couple of examples, women tend to work more with children. You know, that's not a bad thing. Uh, It's just something that ends up ends up happening. Uh, You know what? Let me uh, let me turn this off. We'll go here. Great. Awesome. Um, So women tend to work more with children. Um, They tend to work more in things like the health field um, or social work because they're naturally wired in that way. Um, But that does not mean that all women are or that all women have to be. Um, men tend to to be, to be do more dangerous jobs like underwater welding or the military um, because our natural physical and mental makeup tends to bring us more naturally in that direction. We tend to be more naturally suited for those kinds of roles, you know, but that doesn't mean there can't be a woman underwater welder and that doesn't mean that there can't be a male social worker. Uh, they're not, just because we tend to generically lean in those directions as a society or as a, uh, as a gender doesn't mean that all are bound to that exclusively. Um, some form of egalitarianism goes further than just giving equal opportunities to people. Uh, they actually uh, take it to say that when things are too hard for one side, that we should change the standards to allow them all to succeed. So not only uh, Does some people in the egalitarian mindset say that it's 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 uh, equal in opportunity. They said it's got to also be equal in outcome. Being equal in outcome is that, that's an idiotic viewpoint. Give me a couple of examples here. Let's go back to the women Navy SEALs. Women have been able to get to to um, candidate for the Navy SEALs for a couple of years now. None of them have gotten through. There are a lot of people pushing for this to happen, and some of the things that are going is that 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 they're trying to do is to lower the standards of what it means to become a Navy SEAL so that it is easier for a woman to achieve the end goal. Think about this. Does that sound equal to you? If egalitarianism is equal in all things, then shouldn't it be equal? meaning if there is a set of standards to which a man must achieve in order to in order to uh, uh, to be called a navy seal if a woman wants to become a navy seal should she not have to achieve the same thing in order to get the same title in order to get the same the same notoriety to have the same skill set should not should she not have to do the same thing of course she should if it's equal in all things then we should but the the reason why it, that women typically don't do this and have not been able to do it is because they're not women just are not typically physically capable or even mentally uh, don't take that the wrong way there is a mental makeup that men have that typically allow them to get through that that the on the norm women typically don't have that kind of mindset so i want to make sure i don't say that that wrong we're typically not made in that way it's got to be equal now, how would you like to be on a on a Navy SEAL team, going off to fight in another in another uh, part of the world, and you're with a woman who who achieved that that position by doing half of what you had to do, knowing that she's less qualified, less capable? Do you want to go into battle with that person? No. Of course you wouldn't it'd be ridiculous. You know, it's not equal. It only goes to prove the point that we're not equal in all things and we're not all equally capable. Another example is I should never be given to given an opportunity to try out for an NBA team. I don't know if you realize this, but um what you see in your camera, that's, that's all of me. My feet are actually right right underneath here. That, that's how tall I really am. I, I'm, there's nothing – okay, I might be a little taller, but you, you get the idea. There is nothing about me that makes me capable of trying out for and making an NBA team. I shouldn't even be given the chance to try. The idea that I would play in the NBA makes about as much sense as someone taking political and moral advice from LeBron James. It's just stupid. It doesn't make any sense. There are people that are more that are geared more towards those things. I'm not geared towards that. Think about applying these types of standards where if you can't make it, we just lower the we just lower the threshold to other fields. Who wants to follow the blueprints drawn up by an engineer who struggles with math? I don't. Who wants to go uh, um, have surgery with a um, with a surgeon who passes out at the sight of blood? Um, pretty sure there's a there's a set of standards there that everyone must live up to in order to become a surgeon. Right. You think that would be fine. Right. Who wants to get on board an airplane piloted by a guy with bad vision? But you know what? Good guy really loves the idea of being a pilot. We should lower the standards so that he can get his pilot license. None of this would make sense. None of this would be valid. None of this would be anything that anyone would associate to real life. But this is the direction that a lot of people tend to go in in this egalitarian viewpoint. All things must be equal. Men and women must be equal because we're all equal in all things. No, we're not. We are not equal in all things. We are generally suited for certain things because of our physical, mental, and emotional makeup. The goal is to discover what those are and embrace them for what they are then you can become successful in who you naturally are you don't have to try to live up to some set of to some set of standards that are outside of your reach you can actually move towards something that is that is uh more suited for you but first you have to know and you have to accept and you have to embrace who you are god created male and female. He created us both. He created us differently. He created us so that we would complement one another, but at the same time, he also created us to be equal co laborers. I will make a helper comparable, suitable, equal to but opposite of him. So both of these views, the egalitarian view has some um has some good. Good points. The complementarian view has some good points, but neither one of these views is sufficient for life. If you apply either of them in an absolute form, you run into problems, and I think this is where we run into problems with marriage and family. We tend to lean towards one of these views without realizing that there are problems with both of these views they're not complete, and they don't line up with what we see in the Bible. We see God violating both sides. When people say that, that that men are supposed to be in leadership, God puts women in leadership throughout throughout Scripture, and that's fine. But then on the other side, we say men and women are equal in all things, but God is constantly reminding us that men and women are not equal in all things. We're suited to certain things because of how we are wired, and that's There's nothing wrong with that. We are different, and it's okay. Embrace the difference. My personal opinion, this is where we're going to get into my opinions, um, is that when you follow an ism, you run the risk of taking it too far. Um, If you apply either side in its absolute form, you will lock yourself into a mindset that is not only personally unhealthy, it is relationally unhealthy and maritally unhealthy. How many times have you heard? Because I've heard this a number of times in counseling. I've heard this a number of times in just regular conversation. Um, she's my wife. She'll do what I tell. She'll do what I say. Uh, okay. Um, what if you're wrong? What if you're not thinking correctly? You know, um, are, and when you ask when you ask someone, "Hey, you're about to spend a boatload of money. Uh, how does your wife feel about this?" And I hear things like, well, "That's not her decision. It's my decision." <sighs> Yes and no um it's a it should be a i mean at the end of the day, it is your decision, yes, but there is value in seeking advice from the very thing that God provided for you that is the opposite to you. Your wife is going to have understanding that you don't have. She's going to have an, a, 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 a feeling. She's going to have um, a, a connection. She's going to have a perspective that you don't have, and you need that perspective. You need the other side of the equation. You need someone in your life who's going to be able to think of the things that you're not going to think of, who's going to see the things you're not going to see, who is going to, going to bring bring value and understanding that you don't have naturally, and that should be your spouse. That should be your wife. That should be your husband. You should be bouncing these things off of one another and then trying to the best of your ability to come to a place where you have a reasoned agreement. Now, if I mentioned this last week. Um, the way me and Samantha work this is we talk these things out and we try to come to an agreement. And if we cannot come to an agreement, if we cannot de- uh, agree, this is the direction we go on and a decision has to be made then that decision falls to me. But the reason we talk about it is that I want the perspective that I don't naturally have. And the only way to get that is, to, is to, to talk to the person whom God designed to have that perspective that I don't naturally have. That's the point. I think what scripture teaches us is that God created both male and female and he has designed us both for a single purpose to fellowship serve and worship him but he has also designed us to walk in unity with one another as when it comes to men and women as equal co-laborers so if i don't value the perspective of women just because they're women i think i'm robbing myself of something very special that that god designed even in even in work even in uh, when i was working in restaurants there are plenty of female chefs that i learned a lot from Because I was willing to listen. There's a lot of male chefs who I learned not to even, because they were so arrogant and full of themselves that you couldn't get a word in edgewise. So we have to kind of figure out where this balance is. And this comes back to what I was talking about in the beginning. I think some of the problems that we have in marriage and family is that we have a distorted view of God's intention for men and women we tend to view our relationships outside of marriage in the same context and hierarchy that is inside the marriage. Society may fall into predictable paths. Women may generally fall into one, one process and men may fall gen- generically into another process. But that doesn't mean that that's what we're all bound to for all eternity. We need to come back to, in my opinion, what we see in the word of God. And what we see in the word of God is that men and women were created to coexist as co-laborers. And when God gave man and women dominion over the earth, we we were both given this. We were both charged with caring for God's creation. It's a very interesting thing that when God gave dominion, the one thing that God did not give men and women dominion over is each other. Men by themselves, males, do not have dominion over women. And women by themselves do not have dominion over men. In fact, in Genesis chapter 3, um, actually, let me pull this back up because then I, I'll show you this again. I mentioned this last week, but but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mention this again. Um, Genesis chapter 3, I believe it's verse 15 or 16. It's verse 16. Um, so here you go. Uh, there we go. The curse of the woman, he said, "I will greatly multiply your sorrow, right, and your uh, uh, and your conception. I will greatly greatly multiply your pain and childbirth. Um, in, in pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be for your husband. Your husband. Yet he shall rule over you. So, who is the he? Is it men, or is it husband? It's it's clearly." husband your husband shall have a the, uh, the 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 charge over you and this was part of the curse this was not how god designed it originally god designed men and women to be suitable for one another to be equal co-companions to 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 be opposites of one another to value the opinion and the ability and the 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 physical mental and emotional um uh makeup of one another as we work and serve and worship but in the curse in the judgment Within the hierarchy of the family, God placed men at the head because, as I mentioned last week, Adam failed to take on that role when Eve was being tempted by Satan, which is what led to sin, which is what led to the fall. So this is something that God has placed over us in the context of marriage, but I cannot find. And if you have found something, please send it to me. I would love to take a look at it. I have found nothing in Scripture that places men over women. I have only seen the level of responsibility given to men over, uh, uh, over the, over, over the, uh, the husband, over the wife, in the context of marriage, never found it outside of that. Society may want us to move in different ways, but what it really comes back to is what does the Word of God teach, and what can we see about the character and nature of God inside of God's history of His people, of His history of His of the interaction between Him and the rest of us. When we start to learn about the character and nature of God, one of the things we see very, very clearly is that God doesn't have any problem putting a qualified woman in a very influential place. But he also doesn't have any problem putting men in those same places. So there's an equal part there. So as a church, as Christians, when it comes to our marriages, if we can look at the at our spouse, whether male or female, um, as the person carrying the very thing that we need the person with the opposite view the opposite perspective the op- op- the opposite emotional makeup if we can begin to value what is in that other person what is god ordained in that person if we can value that and allow that person to add that into our lives that we allow them to speak their opinion we allow them to speak their burdens we allow them to speak what is what is in them what god has placed in them if we allow that to come out are we not benefiting ourselves in the process are we not honoring what god designed from the very beginning and i think that not only will change our day to day relationships as men and women it will drastically change our relationships as husband and wife because no longer would we we be worried about lording over authority we would be looking at valuing what is in the other person because if god placed something in my wife that i need then i should value that thing because that's a gift of god and if and if if god has placed something in me that my wife needs she should value that as a gift of god that changes things but unless we reorient our thinking about the relationships of men and women I don't think we're going to be able to correct our thinking in the relationships of husband and wife. Remember, husband and wife is a relationship of responsibility, not authority. And that responsibility comes out of God's judgment on mankind. But there is something in your spouse that God has placed there that you need. We need to find value in that and find a way to bring that out. Um, I think that's uh, uh, going to be key in understanding Paul's perspective on marriage and family because Paul's very well aware of this. Um, But he also speaks to societal norms. We'll start getting into those types of things next week. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed today. I didn't see any other... uh, Let me scroll back through here. I didn't see any other um, things coming up. I know there's a few people who joined in later. Uh, I want to quickly remind you. Uh, let me get out of. Uh, let me get out of this. There you go. Um, if you uh, want an easy way to help me, um, remember you can very very easily click that link. That will take you to the Between Meals um, YouTube page. If you subscribe there and you listen and watch there, like and do all the nonsense, it will actually help this. Uh, this program uh, grow and it'll actually reach uh, wider wider audiences. Also in the comment section there is a list of links if you want to listen to the audio podcasts from either Podbean, Spotify or um, Apple podcasts they are there as well. You can also share those things um, and that would be very very helpful to me and I would appreciate it muchly. Um, let's see. Uh, I didn't see any other questions in the comments. I want to thank you guys all for being here. Lord bless you. if I don't see you Sunday I will see you next Wednesday. Have a great week and happy Thanksgiving.